Coming up. But what was really striking about this encounter was not God's anger, but God's love. God deeply loves humankind. And he loves humankind today. He loved humankind when it was just two of them. With the same love. Hello, and thank you for joining us on One by One the podcast ministry of Quench Life Christian Fellowship. In today's world, we are bombarded with messages everywhere we turn. We're often told how to think, what to believe, and who we should be. But have you ever stopped to think about what you are believing and why? Pastor Robert examines this and more in the first part of the message, Who Told You? passage is Genesis chapter 3 verses 6 through 11. It reads, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of God, of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Read verse 11 again. And he said, speaking of God, who told you that you were naked? Our topic for today is, who told you? Who told you? This is a question that God asked many, 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 many years ago as it pertained to information. Who told you? This is extremely relevant today because we are bombarded with information. Information is at our fingertips. It used to be, um, I know I'm dating myself when I say this, that you, if you wanted to get some information, you had to go to the library. And then they they had this big box, usually somewhere in the middle of the library, um, with these drawers in them and these little three-by-five cards or something. They called it the card catalog. I know I'm dating myself. Some of y'all have never even heard of a card catalog, but... (laughs) That's, that's what I went to school, you know, learning how to use was a card catalog. 
And if you, you, the, the, you had all these books and magazines in the library, and the only way you could find out where they were if the librarian wasn't present was to go to the card catalog, look up the title, and then it had on there a reference location, and then it'll tell you which aisle, which shelf <laughs> the book was on, and the book will have a number on the side of it, and then you can see that that's the book. I tell that story for a few reasons for those that have never had to deal with a card catalog would at least be aware of it. Secondly, just to show you just how far we've come. We are a long way <laughs> from a card catalog. I mean, now you want to know something. What do, you, what do people do when they want to know something? Y'all tell me. Just Google it. <laughs> I mean, really, you just Google it. You go to your side, your hip, your back pocket, your or something, your purse. You pull out that computer that you hold in your hand, um, and you put Google, and you type something in the search box, and you press a button. And a librarian shows up. Nah. <laughs> a librarian don't show up. It just pops up on your screen. Anything you want to know, you Google it. So information is easy to access. So this question that God asked back in the garden, it it's very, very relevant today. I want to point that out because sometimes we think the Bible, you know, is outdated. And all the Bible is never outdated and never will be outdated. It will always be relevant. We just got to, first of all, read it, <laughs> interpret it properly, and then apply it. It will always be relevant. I'm telling you an instance now. God said, who told you? Back in the garden. And that question you should ask yourself in, in 2019, who told me? <laughs> Where did I get that information from? Is that information valid? So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, I want us to, to lay some foundation so that we can began to look at this instance that we read, this encounter God had with the folks he created from a, a pers God's perspective. And so write this down on your paper. Uh, a, relating to the heart of God. Relating to the heart of God. Sometime we hear this story of the fall of man that we read today and, and we we envision or we hear that God is angry, a mean and frustrated and harsh God. But I want to introduce to you today to, to, to see that, 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 that there, though there may have been some, well, there was some disappointment God had, but what was really striking about this encounter was not God's anger, but God's love. Number one, write that down. God deeply loves humankind. He deeply loves humankind. Jesus 
came many, many years later and said in John 3.16 uh, that God so loved the world. God so loved the world. That, that so love speaks to the greatness, the vastness, the broadness, the depth in which God loved the world. And world in this case, meaning the people in the world. That God so loved, God deeply loves humankind. He loves humankind today. He loved humankind when it was just two of them. With the same love. The same love. It was deep. When he had this encounter with these disobedient folk he created, the depth of his love was there. And I don't want us to miss that. I don't want us to only see and hear and envision an angry God. And let me show you. Number two, write this down. God demonstrated his love for humankind, even when it was just two of them. He, he demonstrated it. Uh, Genesis 3.15 says, and, and, and I will. And this is after the fall. Look, look here. This is after they disobeyed. God says, I'm about to intervene here. And I'm going to get into this because of my love for you, the two of you. <laughs> I'm going to get into it. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the serpent, the, the devil, and the woman. He says, I'm going to put enmity between you and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This was the first prophecy God gave about the coming of Jesus Christ. So God got engaged and involved in the fall of humankind, even when it was just two of them. He says, I'm going to do something about it, about this new condition that you're in. I'm going to do something about it. He says, I will. And it was a demonstration of his love. He goes on in Genesis 3. 21 and 22, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So we see God uh, um, trying to help their condition, their newfound condition. And he sacrificed to make these garments of skin for them and clothe them. This was an act of love. Understand, it was an act of love. And then verse 22 reads on, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. This was an act of love. God was saying, I, I put you in a place in the garden where you could live forever. But I don't want you to live forever in this disobedient state you are now in. Because he's saying here, now that you have sinned and you have gained knowledge of good and evil, which I didn't want you to gain, we'll talk more about that later, I don't want you to stay in that state forever. Because he says, if you now go and eat of the tree of life, you will live in that fallen condition forever. Forever. And he says, I love you too much to let that happen. So he kicked them out of the garden. 
so they wouldn't eat of the tree of life so they can live forever in a fallen state. That was love. I want you to relate to it. I want you to relate to it. Those of you who are parents and those of you who have been children, and I I think I covered all the bases now, (laughs) Um, I think you can understand this act of love. As a parent, with your children, there are some things you've done um, to your children um, or didn't do for your children as an act of love that they didn't like. In fact, it was painful or hurtful or frustrating, whatever, but it was an act of love. You, you didn't, you, when, 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 I don't know about y'all, but uh, when I was a kid, you know, uh, you, if you said some stuff that you shouldn't say, you know, some curse words <laughs> came out your mouth, there were some adults that would, would smoothly, just smoothly go into the, the bathroom and reach their hand to that soap dish and pull out the soap dish <laughs> and go wash your mouth out with soap. Some people did that. I know you don't do that today. I, I'm just saying I'm, I'm talking about me and I'm talking about where I come from. But the, 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 for, from their perspective, they were trying to send the message that you don't talk like that. That's not how you should talk. You know, I, I'm not saying that's what we should do. I'm just saying that from them, per, their perspective, they were saying, we don't want you to continue to act and talk like that. Some of us would get treated a different kind of way. Put on punishment or get whipped with the belt. Some things that we didn't want. And some of you as parents have done some things. Took your child's allowance away, told them to go to their room, turned off the TV, took their phone so they couldn't Google nothing. Uh, Whatever you did and your kids didn't like it. From your perspective, it was an act of love because I don't want you to live the rest of your life talking like that or doing that act that they shouldn't do. So when God kicked them out the garden, it was an act of love. Because he had already said, I I got a plan (laughs) to get you back to the life, the garden living and he, we just read that when he says, I'm going to put him into, him into between you and the devil. But I don't want you to continue to live forever in a fallen state. So God showed those two folk <laughs> and you and I some tough love, some tough love. And there's some reasons he demonstrates his love. Hey, write this down. He wants us to experience his goodness. Just like you as a parent, you want your children to experience goodness. Genesis 2, 16 and 17 says, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So the Lord told him that because all he wanted man or humankind to experience was goodness. Remember, in Genesis, every day he, he created parts of creation. He would step through and he said he looked at it and it was good. 
He looked at it and it was good. He looked at it and it was good. And then on the sixth day after he made man, he said he looked at it and it was very good. So here they were in the garden having no consciousness, no understanding, and no experience with anything other than what's good. Think about that. <laughs> Just everything is good. Everywhere you look, goodness. Everything you think, goodness. Everything you feel, goodness. Everything you taste, goodness. Everything was good. God declared that it all was good. That's how he wanted man to live, with just goodness. This is why he says, don't eat of that tree, because that tree will get you, make you aware, make you become conscious, and start to experience evil. And I, I didn't want that for you. I didn't want evil for you. I, I, I didn't want evil for you. And we're just not talking about murder and killing. We're talking about anything that's not good. God is saying, I didn't want anything for you that was not good. We found that out when he, he looked at man and it was no, uh, nobody but Adam. He says, oh, this is not good. So he made Eve because he was trying to remove anything from man's experience that was not good. This is a loving God. God didn't want you to have a headache. He didn't want you to know nothing about headaches. He didn't want you to know nothing about uh, backaches and corns on your toes. And <laughs> he didn't want you to know nothing about that. He, he didn't want you to know nothing about heart attacks and high blood pressure. And he didn't want you to know nothing about none of that. All right? God wanted you to know all goodness. All goodness. Because that was an expression of his love. The other thing that he wants from us, B, write this down. He wants us to experience true life. He wants us to experience true life. Genesis 2.17 says, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So he gave them a commandment not to eat of it because he wanted them to live. It's really that simple. And it hasn't changed. It's God still wants the same things for us. Well, how do you know this? We know this, begin, because we look at John 3, 16, for example, again, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his, only, his, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. Right. God still wants the same things for you that he wanted for Adam and Eve. It hasn't changed. And then Jesus says in verse John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants life for humankind and God wants goodness for humankind, just like what you would want for your children. So understand that when God is now talking to a fallen humankind in Adam and Eve, he's talking to his dying children. They're dying. 
Think about that for a moment, parents. What would you say? How would you respond when you're facing your children and they are dying? We don't even have to go to that extreme. How would you respond and you're talking to your children and you know they are involved in something that's hurting them, that's causing them that you can see up the road that, oh, that's, that, that's going to a bad place. You keep doing that, son, it's, it's not going to be good. And you can see it. How would you talk to them? How would you interact with them? And you know what you're doing is harmful for you. And God is talking to his dying children after they disobeyed him. You've been listening to One by One. Here's a personal message from Pastor Robert. You may have never said yes to Jesus Christ. You know God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin so that you could live with him forever. If you're ready to say yes to the love that God showed, pray this prayer. Lord God, I admit that I sinned against you. I made some mistakes in my life. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and my mistakes and I commit my life to you. I ask that you come into my life, come into my heart, take control, transform me to reflect the character of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to personally welcome you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to connect with the church near you so that you can learn more about Jesus, grow closer to God, and to other believers. God bless you. To learn more about Quench Life Christian Fellowship, visit quenchlife.org. You can follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quenchlifecf to receive regular words of encouragement and ministry updates. Join us next time. Some of us as believers are still hiding from God in certain areas of our life. Some of us as believers need to confess that I'm not what I should be. I believe in you, I've accepted you, but in this area of my life, I confess it. There is distance between you and God. Thank you for listening.